welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship gathering at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Please sit back and enjoy our teaching time now with Lead Pastor John Buckley. If you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to 1 Samuel, or you can grab one of the Bibles in front of you and turn to page 312. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 21, 1 Samuel chapter number 21 today. Brian got us back into uh, 1 Samuel, gave you a review last week and kind of a prep as he wrapped up the end of chapter uh, 21 or through the middle of chapter 21. I'm going to be finishing off verse uh, 10 to 15 and then going into chapter 22 into the first part of things there. I apologize, we have no slides today, so I will be reiterating my points. If you want to take your notes section on your phone or grab a pen, um, if you want to write some thoughts down today. The title of the message today is called From Fear to Confidence. From Fear to Confidence. In case you weren't here last week, just want to paint a picture of the situation that we're dealing with as we start in verse number 10 today. David is terrified, not just scared. David is terrified. He's literally running for his life as a fugitive. He is sure that Saul is going to kill him. Now you think, how can this possibly be? David knows that God called him to be king, and yet David reminds us of ourselves, doesn't he? What are some of God's promises that we know in God's word? What are some promises in the word of God that we know are there? Who can help me? Promises. What? I will never leave you or forsake you. Brian, were you going to say that? That's the, we should say like the top 10, right? That's probably right near the top. I'll never leave you or forsake you. What are other promises God says? Can never be separated from the love of God. Anything else? Say that again. His steadfast love endures forever. Did somebody else say something? He desires good things for our life. I can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that is in me. You go through and you see over and over again the character of God reflected in his promises, and we know that, right? But yet we get terrified too. We get terrified in our lives. We know exactly how it feels to know confidently in our head that God is enough, that God will get me through, that I'm not abandoning, yet when fear looms larger than life, we easily cower at even our own shadow. Why is that? Because our fears become our reality. Our fears become our reality. We forget the facts, we forget the promises, the past, and only see the ugly, snarling face of fear that is right in front of me. We smell it, we taste it, we see it, and we feel like that fear is beyond even God's control. And we forget about his promises. Or even looking back, clinging to the reality that we've already lived in our own lives. In all of this, we see David. Seemingly alone, desperate, and feeling abandoned. It's in this context that we're going to dive into this passage today. Fear is real. Some of you are experiencing it right now. Some of you have come off of a season of it. 
David is living it right now. He's walking around with bread that he's not really supposed to be eating, with a sword that's way too big for him to use, and we see some really interesting paths now that David goes on. I know Brian had give you some things to read on, and I hope that you did that, but if not, we're going to be delving into some of the, not only this section, but I'm going to give you some homework, so to speak, of some stuff you can even dig in some more to understand better what David was going through. So let's go to verse number 10 in 1 Samuel 21, or as I said, page number 312 in those Bibles in front of you there. The Bible says this, and David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, or Ashish, depending on how it's pronounced, the king of Gath. See, one thing we find is that fear causes us to flee. That's our first point today. Fear causes us to flee. David's scared, and what does he do? He runs away. But where do you run to when you have little food and an oversized sword? Not many options. But the one place you would not think to go to is the very place David went. It's crazy. He was not thinking clearly, so instead he reacts. And I think this is an important point to understand. Decisions made in reaction have devastating consequences. Decisions made in reaction have devastating consequences. Now, David here is he's facing this really ridiculous thing, and most of us would go, okay, David, there's lots of places you can go to if you're scared, but stay in your home state at least. Stay around the familiar things that you know. Go to places that you can be comforted in, and where do you go? You go to the Philistines. These weren't like just kind of like casual neighbors of the Israelites. Philistines, which is taken from the name of the sea dwellers, they lived right along the coast of the sea. They had five main cities. Gath was one of those main cities, and Achish was kind of like the mayor or the clan leader of the area of Gath. Now, if your Bible history doesn't click in, Gath may seem familiar because that's the same place that Goliath came from. Goliath comes from Gath. David goes to Gath, and David has a very obvious thing he's bringing with him that's from Gath. Anybody know what that is? The sword of Goliath. Hello? Yeah, I'm scared to death, and so I'm going to go into a city touting the sword of the hero of the city while his family is standing around saying, this was a great idea. See, fear causes us to flee. But fear also causes us to forget. You see that with David here as we continue on in this verse. He went to Achish, and the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sling, sing, excuse me, sling, wow, sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Well, hello. See, David went to another country. Now, this was before social media. This was before poster boards. This is before roadside signs, road stand signs. This is before all that. David was so well known that he enters into the area and they go, hey, that's the bad guy. That's David. Isn't he the guy that they sing about? He's, isn't he the guy that's going to be king of Israel? Remember that song they sang? Yeah, what was it? Oh, yeah, Saul's killed his thousands. David his tens of thousands. And then it's like David's petrified because fear causes us to forget. 
He had humiliated this nation in battle. He defiled the corpses of their people with the whole foreskins thing and, the, and trying to get a wife. He killed their champion. He not only enters the land, but he goes to one of the five main cities, and the one he picks is Gath. <laughs> Gath. So David was clearly not thinking in his right mind. It appears that he is captured here by the Philistines, which we'll talk about in a minute, which you see that not only do they recognize David here, he knows who they were, but then questions are asked about him. And what was his response? Fear, natural. <laughs> but he forgot. So what is his reaction to all this that's taking place? What does he decide to do as a result of it? Well, most of us would think to ourselves, I'm in a foreign land, I have limited options, this was not a good idea. A lot of us would just turn around at that point and just head right back out of the town, right? But that's not what David did. Now, before we criticize him, I want you to think about this. Think about how often that you take things into your own hands when you're facing obstacles or danger that seems humanly impossible to take on. What do you do? I hope that your first reaction is prayer, seeking counsel, going to the word, but I suspect that many of us, it's a reaction because we forget. We act before we pray, we act before we get counsel, we act before we go to the word. David reacted rather than acted on what he knew he should do. And we often do the same thing. He took on the form of a madman. He's there. Now again, it's easy to go, David, just leave. But David wasn't thinking in his right mind. He was forgetting all those things, so he acts like a madman. Now read what it says there as we continue on. I think it's verse 12. And David took those, or verse 13. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and, make mar and made marks on the doors of the gate and let a spittle run down into his beard. Now, in case you get the context here of things, now there's a couple of debates on what this leaving a mark means, but it all has to do with something primal. He either was chewing literally on stuff, scratching, or he was urinating on things, making his mark. Not a normal person thing. And then back in those days especially, beards were a big deal. You kept your beard clean and big. I mean, that was a thing to do. So no spittle in the beard, spit in the beard. And that was a big deal that you kept that. So he did things that made it very obvious to other people around him to go, this guy is a lunatic. Stay away from him. Now just pull back for a minute. David, the king of Israel, is acting like a lunatic in one of the worst towns he could have gone to in his life he forgot. Now, one of the problems sometimes we forget is this. We think there's no way back. We think that we have been forgotten by God. We think that we crossed a line that we cannot retrieve ourselves from. And I just want to remind you of all the things that we just shared with God's promises. You can never go so far that you can't come back to God. The hole can never be so deep that God can't pull you back out of it. The water can't be so high that God can't save you from it. So don't ever let the devil whisper that into your ear that you are so forgotten or so alone or it is so dark that there is no way out. That is a lie by the evil one. Now praise the Lord that David in his crazy state of mind 
did something different that we see from even what Saul did. See, when Saul hit these times, we would see that Saul would react against other people. We'd see that Saul would blame other people. We'd see that Saul would, would allow this, this kind of temper, so to speak, inside of him and this self-determination and independence to be the thing that was overwhelming. And David could have done that. I mean, David had the credentials, and yet David's reaction to this was quite different. Now, it says in verse 15, or excuse me, verse 14, this crazy man ran around. Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you've brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So that's what gives us the concept, by the way, there of that he was brought in, that they kind of captured him and brought him in. You're also going to see if you go over to the Psalms, there's a couple Psalms. We're not going to have time to break down the way I'd like to, but there's a couple of the Psalms in particular that talk about this. One of them is Psalms 56, and one of them is Psalm 34 that also gives the idea, if you read the intro there, that uh, David was captured by the Philistines. And I encourage you, we're going to quote a little bit from one of them, but go back and read Psalm 34 and Psalm 56. You're going to get a real good idea of David's mindset here. So David's in this foreign land. It sounds like he gets a get-out-of-jail-free card in the fact that he was acting like a crazy guy. But now he's on a dusty road, again, seeming to be alone, and forgotten, and certainly thinking that he has no home. No home. Now what? I want to take you to the positive from the fear, and I want to lead you to the confidence. Because God always provides a way to remember. God always provides a way to remember. When we get in those deep, dark areas, what David did different than Psalm is that David remembered who God was and what God had done. I'm going to read you a couple of verses, the first three verses from Psalm chapter 56. And if you read above in the notation there, this is a psalm that was written during this time of, of, of his, of, of his uh, tenure in, in, the, in the land of the Philistines. And he starts off saying this, Be gracious to me, O God. For man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. Not a lot of hope in those words. Let me say it one more time. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me, for many attack me proudly. But then verse 3 you see David's focus change. And that's what we gotta remember, folks, is when things are the worst, we can either then choose to reject God or grab onto him. Remember what he's already done. Remember what he wants to do. Remember the promises in his word, and listen to what David says in verse three. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. There's no waving his fist at God. There's no God, why did you put me in this land? He doesn't blame anybody. He doesn't shift responsibility to anybody else. He says in this psalm, when I'm afraid, I'm going to put my trust in you. 
kind of like Peter. Peter's very easily one of those scapegoat of the New Testament. And yet Peter, I love it when Jesus laid out some really strong words in Luke about what it means to be a disciple, and he turns to the 12 because it says, on that day many left and didn't return. Because Jesus really laid down the gauntlet of what it meant to be one of his followers. <clears throat> and he turns to the 12 and he goes, so are you guys gonna leave me too? And I love Peter. He's always gonna be the first one to speak in the crowd. Well, where are we gonna go, Jesus? You're the Messiah. See, folks, that's the decision we all have to come to. Is God God? Is Christ Christ? Did he die for your sins? Did you accept his gift of salvation? Then it's said and done. He is our Messiah. He is our Savior. He is the one that's there for us, who strengthens us, who guides us, who protects us, who's there for us. Or he's not. And I encourage anyone here today that doesn't know Christ as Savior that you'd realize that's the God that we serve Cling on to him. Christian that's discouraged, if the devil's whispering that in your ear, go to the Psalms and be reminded of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God that sent Christ to die on the cross that you and I might have life. I put my trust in you. Now, we don't know exactly what made David turn the corner. Was it looking at a dusty road going, where do I go now? But David remembered. And God always provides a way to remember. We've got to choose whether or not we'll take that. So I want to call all of you to remember today. Maybe you're not discouraged. Just remember. Remember the day, the time, when you saw God do some powerful things. Maybe it was the day that you became a Christian. Maybe it was the day that you thought there was no hope and God gave you that verse or put that person in your life or sent that rainbow to you. Remember, remember, remember. So David leaves there, and where do we find him next in chapter 22 and verse 1? David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Well, there's a great place to go next. If you want to go for somewhere shiny and tropical, go to a cave, right? Always brings all this joy out of you because there's nothing quite like a dark, damp, musty cave to bring that sunshine to your life, right? Right? But for David, that word adulam, by the way, that's a word that means safe refuge. Safe refuge. See, it's not about where we are, but about where our focus is. It's not about where we are, it's about where our focus is. You can be in one of the places that everyone else would say is one of the worst places you could go, and you can be singing hallelujah to God, or you can be in one of the places that is one of the most amazing places in the world and be the most depressed and discouraged in your life with everybody else around you shouting and singing and laughing, and you feel like there's no sun at all because it's not about where we're at but where our focus is. See, God not only provides a way to remember, but God always provides people to encourage us. We see there again in verse one, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Now, we can say, well, they just popped in. Well, somebody had to get the word to his family, by the way. 
They had to find out somehow. We don't, it doesn't say that there's anybody with David, so we don't know how this happened, but maybe he sent a message. Maybe he caught a traveler going by a path or a road that was there. We don't know how, but when his family got the word, what was their response? They came. They traveled, which would have been about 12 miles from where they were at to where David was at. And David was about 10 miles from Gath, where he'd been at before. His family comes the 12 miles to meet him in a cave of all places because God always provides people to encourage. David didn't have the greatest track record with his family. I mean, he was the youngest and he was going to be king. You think his brothers loved that idea? No, we see some of the responses to that earlier on with Goliath in particular. And yet when rubber met the road, they were there. Now, some of you don't have nuclear families that way, but God's given you a church family that way. He's put people around you that are your family. When you need that encouragement, they're there. So now remember an encouragement, David had to have gotten word to them. And sometimes in our discouragement, we think, I can't tell anybody, they should just know. <laughs> David didn't just wish that his family would show up. Somehow they got the word that he needed them. So don't let the devil put you in the corner of your room thinking, well, if somebody cared, they'd really show up. There's nothing quite like sending out a note or a text or a phone call and just go, can you pray with me? Can we grab coffee? I just need to be with people I know love me. We don't have any idea what the conversation was because that wasn't the focal point here, but his family was there. And God always provides people to encourage us. Then we see in verse number two, and everyone who is in distress, and everyone who is in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Boy, what a great group of people to send when you're having a hard time. I, I, I think the verse should say, and everybody that was happy, and everyone that had money, and everybody that was encouraging, and everyone that was healthy, they're the ones that came because David needed a shot of encouragement, right? So God instead sends them who? Let's read that again. Everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul. A hodgepodge of hurting, disgruntled, left out people showed up, and yet we see that David crafted, crafted this group into a fighting force to be reckoned with. If you look in Samuel later on, you're going to see in 2 Samuel, David's mighty men came out of this group. Warriors that did phenomenal feats of valor. See, what I find is God always provides a next thing to do. God knew that David needed a focus. He wasn't going to be king yet, but he needed the prep to be what was next. And for David, the next was to take 400 ragtag group of people who were hurting and disgruntled and left out, and he had a job to do. He was to help the hurting and redirect the disgruntled and accept the left out. See, God does want you to do something, and oftentimes it's birthed out of our despair and our woundedness and our struggles. Our despair and our woundedness and our struggles. 
And I think many times we feel like I have to be completely healthy before I can help others. But see, that's the exact thing that God does in this powerful way that he uses us oftentimes when we aren't quite what we should be because we know we can't do it without God's strength. Man, if only the healthy were able to help the hurting, there'd be a very small group. But when I'm still hurting, when I'm still struggling, We've seen God at work, and God then uses us to help <clears throat> other people as well. We find also, if you look down there and continue, we had about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. <clears throat> and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. See, he went to an old friend. Now, what was David's tie into Moab? We gotta go back a few books, or actually, not back, stories. You're gonna find out that there's a tie in there because where does Ruth's daughter-in-law come out of? The land of Moab. You see some tie-ins that take place there. And he brings them to an old friend and he says, I know you're a safe place. And he asks them to watch his parents. And I love that phrase he uses there, until I know what God's will is for me. Now again, we would say, hello David, you're gonna be king. I don't know if David quite is there yet. But they stayed with him, it says here, in verse four, and he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with, them, with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. You see that David's mindset changed because when our mindset changes from the internal to the external, he was no longer going into a situation, woe is me, everybody's trampling me, I'm in trouble, nobody cares, and we see that, that he's concerned about others, specifically mom and dad, and goes, I need to make sure mom and dad are safe because I know Saul's still coming for me. So he takes him to a friend and he goes, would you, would you watch over my mom and dad? I'm not sure what God's gonna do, but I need you to take him until I know that everything's okay. And when we can start having that external focus, we know that God's working us in that next thing. And if we're internally focused, I encourage you to pray that God would help you to point out that next thing that he has for you to do, that you could get that external focus on others. And the last thing I want to point out here in this passage today is from verse 5. <clears throat> God always provides a guide. Verse 5. Then the prophet Gad said to David, do not remain in the stronghold, depart and go into the land of Judah. So David said, no, I don't wanna go because I'm scared. No, it says, so David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. I love the way that God puts people into our life to help us on our journey. As David started to take those next steps, God dumped him in his lap initially, didn't he? Brought his mom and dad and his family to encourage him. Then he dumps a whole bunch of folks into his life that he's got to work with. And then he sends Gad to go, now it's time to move. David obeyed him immediately. There was no question about it. There was no, I want to stay here. This is a safe place. My family is still here. My brothers. I don't want to go out there in the deep, dark world. I mean, that memories, those memories had to be pretty, pretty vivid still of what had taken place. But I love that God always provides a structure for us to get guidance and support and direction. In the Old Testament, he would bring prophets along. 
And they would go and they would guide these different men and women to tell them what God wanted them to do. We saw Samuel do that for Saul. We see Gad now doing that here. You're going to see Nathan doing that in David's life later on. He had those prophets. Nowadays, God, as he structured the church, has called us to be a part of a family, a body of believers. And then he asks us to submit to the elders that he's put over us to give us that guidance and direction. He gives us the spirit of God that lives in us. He gives us the word of God. He works them all in conjunction. All three as the men of God that God has us as overseers and the word of God and the spirit of God. As they all work together, we get that guidance that he wants us to have so that we can be guided along the way for what the Lord has next for us. And it's hard, but we need to allow them to do that. Allow the word of God, the spirit of God, those men of God to help guide us in our independent lives. It's easy to think we can do it our way. But David, who was going to be the next king, submitted himself to Gad. And when God said go, he knew that he was sent by God and he went. In a few short verses, we see that David goes from the worst place to a firm resolve and teachability to move ahead. So we have to ask ourselves a question as we wrap things up. What's holding you back right now in your life? You feel like you're in that pit? Did you have a really hard time coming this morning? Does the sun look a little darker than it should? Does the word of God get a little dustier because you're not quite sure you believe for you? Do you wonder if God really cares? Then I want to encourage you to make sure that you listen today to the story of David and that you get your focus realigned on Christ. Folks, his promises weren't for the, next per the person next to you. They were, but they're also for you. This message is for me and for you. This word is for all of us. The Spirit of God is in you whispering Quiet yourself to hear. God's put those people around you. Open your eyes to see them. Don't let things hold you back. Let God work in and through you and lift you up. And what do you need to do to get your focus back on Christ? Is there sin you need to confess? Is there a relationship you need to try to restore? Is there a ministry that you need to step into you've been scared about? Is there a ministry you need to stay in that you'd really like to leave and he wants you to be there? Is there a friend that he wants you to reach out to? Is there a friend that he needs you to separate from? He's leading us all and guiding us in what he wants us to do. So let's listen. And let's squelch the fear that looms in front of us so boldly and remember the God that looms even greater who said clearly in his word that he is the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the lover of our soul. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. You're such a good God. And Lord, I don't know how many times I've skipped this little passage here and not seen the amazing relevance to where I'm at, Lord, in my life. The fears that I face, Lord, how big they seem to get in front of me, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would get our confidence back again, not because we are great, but because you are great. Lord, I lift up <clears throat> anyone here today that doesn't have a relationship with you, God. Help them to realize, Lord, that if they want that firm foundation, it only comes from a relationship with you. 
pray today would be the day that they would begin that relationship by acknowledging that they are sinners who need a Savior to come and to wash away their sins and accept them into, um, you, accept you into their heart, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would allow us, Lord, today as Christians to look at this and perhaps we need to be that encourager. Perhaps, Lord, we need to be encouraged. Help us, Lord, to take your word for what it says and to apply it to our lives in the way that we should. We ask this in your very precious name. Amen.